Most of the things you might be remembered for in this world will probably fade quickly. Many of your accomplishments will fade from the memory of society and eventually even from the memories of family members. But you know what? You can be sure that your love for Christ will be forever remembered and honored by the Lord. Stephen Davy called today's lesson unforgettable acts of love. Today on our wisdom journey, Jesus and his disciples have now left Jericho. And I can imagine how that town is buzzing over the recent conversion of Zacchaeus. Now what happens next is an expression of love that is uh, frankly so magnificent that 2,000 years later, uh, we're still amazed by it. Matthew, Mark, and John all record this same event. And I want to follow the account given to us in John's Gospel here at chapter 12 and verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Now let me pause long enough to tell you this is a family of three siblings, Martha, Mary, and their brother Lazarus. Uh, Nothing in Scripture mentions any spouses or even parents, so these three are more than likely single adults, and all of them are close to Jesus. Matthew and Mark tell us that the meal takes place in the hometown of a man known as Simon the leper. Now, Martha is busy here serving, and Lazarus is at the table reclining with Jesus, and Mary now appears on the scene here in verse 3. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this act is rooted in love and worship. It wasn't uncommon in these days for devotees to pour perfume on their idols and clean them with their hair as an act of deep humility and devotion. But there's more here in Mary's sacrificial gift. First, There's the subtle recognition of Christ's coming death and burial. She is effectively anointing him as they would have anointed a body for burial. You could could say that she's giving him flowers while he's still alive rather than putting them on his grave. Now, secondly, this is symbolic of Christ's royalty. The typical anointing with this kind of extravagance was reserved for the anointing of a new king. So when Mary anoints Jesus here, she's acknowledging that he's a king. Third, this is an example of of really uninhibited generosity. In fact, verse 3, John calls this ointment here pure nard, which means undiluted. This particular ointment was was made from an herb that grew in the mountains of India, and at great cost, it was manufactured and then imported into the Middle East in these little white alabaster bottles. Now, according to verse 5, this perfume was worth 300 denarii, and that's about an entire year's salary for the average working person. So you could call this little bottle liquid gold. 
Now, at this point, the scene is interrupted by Judas Iscariot. He, he has something to say about this sacrificial gift. In fact, these are his very first recorded words in Scripture. Verse 5, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Oh, he cares about the poor people, does he? Well, there's no evidence Judas ever gave a nickel to the poor. His complaint here is actually a smokescreen to cover his own greedy hypocrisy. And John makes that clear here in the next verse, verse 6. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So he was a thief. The word is kleptase in the Greek language, and this gives us our word kleptomaniac. Judas is just upset he can't get his hands on some of this extra money. Well, Jesus quickly comes to her defense here in verse 7, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now, Mark chapter 14 and verse 6 adds that Jesus also said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. You know, whenever I read this, it makes me wonder what beautiful thing I've done for the Lord lately. What is it that God has given you and me to give away? Time, talent, treasure. What what little alabaster vase am I willing to break open for Christ? What, What do I have? What do you have that somebody needs today? That reminds me of a wonderful story I read years ago about a fifth grade teacher named Mrs. Thompson. She was a wonderful teacher, uh, but one of her students, Teddy Stoddard, seemed uninterested in class. His appearance was untidy. He was often unpleasant. So she checked his earlier grades and read comments from his former teachers. His first grade teacher had written, Teddy's a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly, has good manners. He's a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote something like, Teddy is an excellent student. He's well-liked. But he's troubled because his mother has a terminal illness. Then his third grade teacher wrote, his mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his his father doesn't seem to help or show much interest. Then his fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn. He doesn't show much interest in school, doesn't have many friends, and often sleeps in class. Mrs. Thompson now knew the source of his appearance and disinterest. When her students brought her gifts before the Christmas break, Teddy came up and handed her a little gift wrapped in a brown grocery bag. When she opened it, out fell a a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a partially used bottle of perfume. Some of the children laughed, but Mrs. Thompson immediately put on the bracelet and said how pretty it was, and she put some of the perfume on her wrist. Well, at the end of the day, Teddy lingered behind long enough to say, Mrs. Thompson, today you smell just like my mother used to smell. Well, when Teddy left the classroom, Mrs. Thompson sat at her desk and wept. And that same day, she changed. She quit teaching subjects like reading and writing and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. She paid particular attention to Teddy Stoddard. By the end of that school year, Teddy showed dramatic improvement in class. The next year, she received a note from Teddy telling her that she was the best teacher he had ever had. 
Six years passed, and she got another note from Teddy, and he told her he had finished high school, and he was heading off to college. Four more years passed, and another note came. Teddy was graduating from college with highest honors, and he added that she was still the best teacher he'd ever had. Well, another four years passed, and Teddy wrote her again, explaining that he had decided to go on to medical school, and he wrote that she was still his favorite teacher. He signed this letter, Theodore Stoddard, M.D. Another letter arrived soon after that. Teddy was getting married. His father had died a couple of years earlier, and he was wondering if Mrs. Thompson might sit in the place usually reserved for the mother of the groom. And so Mrs. Thompson went to that wedding and sat where Teddy's mother would have sat. Frankly, she deserved to sit there because years earlier she had broken her little vase and poured it out on a little boy, and he never forgot her gift of love. Matthew's account of Mary's loving sacrificial act adds this statement by Jesus in chapter 26 and verse 13. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And that's true, isn't it? It's as if we can still smell the fragrance of Mary's gift today. I love the expression back here in John chapter 12 and verse 3, that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, by the way, there were other gifts that made this one possible. Simon uh, gave the gift of hospitality. Martha gave the gift of an evening meal. Lazarus gave the gift of friendship. And now Mary gives her sacrificial gift of worship. You know something? When you worship the Lord, when you're willing to pour out the contents of your life for the Lord, you're going to be a fragrant blessing to others. And more than likely, they're never going to forget what you've done. Well, until we set sail again on our wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thanks for listening. Stephen called this lesson Unforgettable Acts of Love. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. We produce biblically faithful teaching resources in nine languages. Everything we produce is designed to help you know what the Bible says, understand what it means, and apply it to your life. Access all of it at wisdomonline.org. Join us back here next time to continue the wisdom journey.